basketball talk. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodman Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. No, 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 I thought he usually plays the drop. The last time that we did it, because there were so many drops in the intro, I thought you told me not to do a drop, so I didn't do it this time. Still confused. Nervous. Yeah, last week we didn't do a drop. Dane, Dane, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. I just, I forgot, so I was just like, all right, I didn't want to start talking, and then a drop came in. Anyway. Wandered into a goddamn time capsule. Welcome to our super professional uh, (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. Um, I'm your host, Juwan, joined by my very, I was going to say delicious, but I don't think I should say that for guys. Welcome to uh, <laughs> meet my amazing uh, panelist, <laughs> Nick. What's going on, Nick? What up? I uh, I had a rough week. Braves got ousted from the playoffs. UJ got handed their first loss yesterday. But luckily for me, in the world of geek news, it was all good news, well, except for that one thing, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to that, but mostly good news, so I'm excited for the show. Absolutely. I cried my heart out, so we'll definitely get to that. You don't have to worry about that. Um, uh, Dane, what's going on, Dane? My balls was hot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, as you guys can see, we will randomly find a way to work in the phrase, my balls were hot. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> What's going on, Joel? Oh, I'm good. Done PT. I'm ready to start this. All right, then let's get into it. We're going to start off with some Venom talk. Venom came out about two weeks ago, I think. A week and a half ago? Two weeks? No. Two weeks? No, I, I, two whatever. Weeks. Last week. <laughs> last week. Mm-hmm. Last week. It was last week? We saw it before Comic Con. Last week. Right? Yeah, okay, so it was last week. Right, yeah. Um,. All right, so we're going to get into some Venom uh, talk. We couldn't do it last week because we were at Comic-Con, obviously, um, which was amazing. Huge shout-out huge shout out to New York Comic-Con for um, having us as press join that amazing event. It was bananas. Can't wait to do it again next mm-hmm. year. Um, three of us really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think the three of us also are shocked at how well it's doing at the box office, especially against what I'm going to go ahead and say is probably going to be the front runner for the Oscars, which was that um, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper and um, God, I can't remember Lady Gaga movie. What's the name of that movie, Dan? Fallen Boy. Okay, thank you. Um, So to see that Venom holding steady at the box, I think Kanan just said something earlier that um, it was at 37, I think it was still at or or tracking at for for the past weekend, I I think. Um, But nonetheless, it was doing really well in the box office. Dane, I'm going to go to you first, man. What were your thoughts on the movie Venom? All right. Well, I'll just start with this. 
Um, box office wise, I am extremely happy with the results of Venom. Uh, they killed it for their week uh, released in October. They broke records. It was tracking at about 45 to 50 million that weekend, which would have been good for them. And people were thinking it wasn't going to make a lot because of all the negative reviews. It actually exceeded, uh, made 80 million and over 200 million worldwide. Uh, the second weekend, it's leading the box office again. Now, you have to look at it, and, and in a sense, it doesn't really have a lot of competition. I know a lot of people thought Star Wars Born was going to be its main uh, competition, which it was. But even though the, the star power of Lady Gaga, that movie's more of an Oscar bait movie, and they don't really get um, too much, uh, you know, they don't make as much money as a blockbuster, basically. Um, that I get that out of the way, talking about the movie itself. The movie uh, I put online was interesting. Um, it was marketed, I think, as a horror movie drama, and it was really more so a comedy, um, kind of trying to be like a PG-13 Deadpool, almost in a sense. Um, I loved Venom. I loved the interaction between him and Eddie Brock. Um, Sometimes, sometimes, you know, Tom Hardy, I will say, is one of my favorite actors, especially of now. He's probably in my top five. Um, him and also other actors that are, have been nominated for Oscars, like Michelle Williams, like Riz Ahmed, I just don't think that Ruben Fleischer uh, got the best performances out of them. Um, I think that you could tell with the, with the pacing and the, uh, the editing that it, sent, it seems sped up. Uh, you could tell that there was 40 minutes cut out of it, like Tom Hardy said to try to take back within his whole entire press conference thing. And apparently there's going to be an extended cut that Ruben Fleischer was talking about, so we'll be able to see that. I'm kind of sick of that trend. You can basically see that there was involvement from the studio. Um, but it did well, so that's good. I think the special effects were awesome in certain parts, and in other parts they kind of – looked very, not cartoonish, but like a video game more so, especially that ending battle. Um, and uh, it just, it, it definitely had more of a vibe of a late 90s, early 2000s superhero film and had a lot of your Sony tropes in a good way from the Spider-Man films, like with the Amazing Spider-Man and then the Tobey Maguire movies before that, and also some of those negative ones as well. Um, do I think that the movie with the character and the actors could have been better? Yes but I still had fun with this movie. I, at first they said I would never see this movie again, which is a pretty negative thing to say, but I have to say that if it was like on FX or something in the future, it was a fun film. I will probably see the extended version, and I'm happy that they made, they're definitely making enough money. Um, I think it's now at halfway of what uh, Justice League made total. <laughs> so it's doing decent in the box office, which is un- unfortunately – when it comes to wanting to see the franchise keep on succeeding and more movies come out and stuff like that, that's all that really matters. Uh, I'm just hoping they get a different director and definitely get a different screenwriter for uh, their next movie involving – this is kind of spoiler warning-ish, right? I, or at least if it's not yeah. when Juan will say whatever. Okay, so the Carnage stuff, Maximum Carnage, definitely seems like the direction they're going. PG-13 is kind of a scary thing to play with. Then again, if you look at the comics from the early 90s, that was very PG-13. So they can do a lot of stuff. Carnage is a little more violent, but he's very similar to the Joker. Um, Without Spider-Man, though, it's going to be weird, and I don't know if this reflects that when the end of the deal is with – 
I, if I was Sony, I'd fucking re-up. I really would. I would re-up, but they need, I think they need Spider-Man for these characters they're doing. I think that that's a very important element that they don't have, so I don't know how that's going to work. But I'm happy they might made money off of this. I would just like, you know, a lot of people, and I get it, you know, this is one of those fun uh, movies that you can see in theaters, turn off your brain, what's up, blah, 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 blah. Venom is a very complex character, and I think could have been handled a little bit better by a better script and better direction. Um, well, what I'll say to that, let me say uh, first, let me start off first with what you were saying about Carnage. Um, by no means am I saying I want a PG-13 Carnage. I would prefer rated R just to kind of let it flesh out a little bit more, kind of let him be who he, uh, you know, who they, it seems like, like Woody Harrelson, that's a character I don't want you to put any handcuffs on. Like, don't, don't, like, box him in at all. Let him completely just flesh out what he wants to do, uh, the direction of the character, and let him be that insane murderous guy. But I will say, and this, I, I told Joel this, uh, Dane, if you had told me three years ago, like they were making a Venom movie with Tom Hardy, and it was going to be PG-13. I would have told you there is no way, no way that movie would be good. Just, there's just, there's nothing you could do with a Venom with the Venom character and have a PG-13 in it work. Um, and I left that movie going. I think you could do a Carnage movie and have it be PG-13. Obviously, it won't be over the top and the the whole murderous thing and stuff like that. But it would at least be very entertaining. And I know as us as comic book fans, like we don't want our movies to just be entertaining. We'd like them to be really good. Um, but I think at this point, it's like we kind of want to see what they can give us. And if you're telling me the only way to get Carnage is through PG-13, I'm now a little bit more confident in them being able to do it now that I've seen and actually enjoyed Venom. Um, yeah, but I mean, what? I Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, this movie is very similar in essence to Suicide Squad for me. Suicide Squad made a shit ton of money, and that got it a sequel, you know, and we'll talk more about that later, uh, that potentially could be having James Gunn behind it. So there's a lot more to look forward to. I think if you take out the screenwriter, and I love Zombieland, but Ruben Fleischer, and then get a new direction and stuff like that, you can make the movie pretty dark and not have to go... You know, I'm, I'm trying to remember if BVS was rated R. I think that was rated PG-13. If you have something like yeah. that, the character itself can kind of be fleshed out, and you don't need over-the-top violence. But I think a lot of us want at least the level that Daredevil has, or even the Punisher. So they're going to have to change a lot of aspects. But like Suicide Squad, I'm glad it performed well because it garnishes a sequel. It's just that movie itself was kind of a jumbled-up mesh. I like Venom better, but same type of principle, if you will. Yeah, and I, excuse me, I, I don't necessarily disagree with it. And Joel, I'm going to pass it right to you. I just want to make this last point. Uh, what you were saying, Dane, about um, a, a different director, maybe like a, maybe even different, um, you know, writer and everything. Only reason I would say I would kind of like the same director to stay on is because I feel as though this movie was meddled with the same as David Ayer's Suicide Squad was meddled with. I think if Warner Brothers let David Ayer make the movie he wanted to make, we wouldn't be having conversations about there being another director for Suicide Squad. It would still be David Ayer because not only would it be well-received with the the media, it would have been well-received in the box office. Um, I think this director, Ruben Flesher, I think you said his name was, um, I see aspects of this movie 
that looked like if they let him flesh it out more, it would have been a lot better. But I think Sony was just like, all right, listen, Ruben, we're going to put you in this box because we're setting up for when we get Spider-Man back. And I think once they did that, Ruben was just like, all right, well, like, I want to do so many more things with this character uh, to flesh it out. But, like, you guys are boxing me in to make something for a character that you may or may not bring back two or three years from now. So I think the idea of them boxing him in as much as they did um, affected that movie. Because, uh, I mean, there were aspects that you could see Ruben Fletcher, like, really wanted to do cool things with. I mean, and this is a spoiler alert. This is a spoiler review. Um, dang, we freaking got she's in him. <laughs> like, like, even yeah. in that small town, that was so freaking dope. I never thought we would see that on the big screen. And, like, you see the elements of just like in Suicide Squad, David Ayer giving us that one shot of Joker and Harley in their throwback costumes. Like, those are just things that you're like, man, the director really had a vision of this. And the studio just came in and kind of was like, nah, you're going to kind of do this, 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 and this, and this. So it's like if the studio didn't meddle, I think we think differently of Suicide Squad, and I think we think a little differently. Maybe not a lot, just a little bit differently. Uh, Definitely uh, get That's a new screenwriter. Definitely get a new screenwriter because that script was crap, and Michelle Williams did a great job with some of her lines, but they were fucking just ridiculous. So I can agree with keeping Ruben Fleischer, but I would definitely get someone else fucking writing the script. They had three different people, and you could tell, to me at least, that it was three different visions in one. Hey, but I'll shut up so I, I, I agree with that. Different screenwriter. I completely agree with that. Uh, Joel, what were your thoughts on Venom uh, and just your response really to everything Dane was saying about the idea of setting up uh, the, the sequel? Do you think Ruben should stay on? Do you agree that they should do a different screenwriter? Like, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, it was a, the movie was fun. Uh, I didn't have, look, I never had, I didn't have high hopes for the movie going into it, but um, I, I, you know, with all the reviews that came out, like everyone shitting on it, I was like, damn, like, how bad is this movie going to be? I mean, they were comparing that shit to Catwoman. I'm like, come on, I can't be that bad. <laughs> it can't be Catwoman bad. Um, uh, that's and bullshit. In, I watched it. I'm, that was. That was nowhere near as bad as Catwoman. That was really, it was actually much, much more fun. And just the suit alone was way better, better than the whole Catwoman movie. It was just seeing Venom interact with, with, with uh, Eddie Brock. And it's just that... That was really entertaining. Like, uh, I agree, though. It was definitely marketed one way, and then it gave us something completely different. But it kind of still worked for me. Um, I wasn't – even though you, I could see how somebody can go into it and say, what the fuck was that? Um, because it definitely marketed something seri- more serious than it actually was. It was actually more of a action horror comedy, <laughs> um, which I enjoyed for the most part. Uh, it was very – it was a very simple storyline. Was, there was not much to it. It wasn't in-depth in any way. It wasn't uh, groundbreaking in doing anything specifically. Um, but I had fun. Even um, at, uh, Tom Hardy's choice of how to play Eddie Brock was very weird, but I still enjoyed it. And believe it or not, it's the only thing that kept me through the first half of the movie not – being bored with seeing what how Tom Hardy uh, interact with everybody around him and how weird he is as you know compared to everyone kind of in there he's kind of in his own movie <laughs> but it kind of what which I usually don't like I like that I didn't like that with certain characters like in Ghostbusters or that one chick was just completely in a different movie I could not stand here in that movie but um, in Venom it worked for me he kind of did his own thing and it it's still he was entertaining enough for me to go, okay, I see what he's doing. And then when, as soon as the symbiote came in, I was hooked. And I'm like, oh, that was, 
that was a joy. <laughs> that was an absolute joy. Um, and I do look forward to it. I'm, I'm happy it's doing well at the box office because I do want to see Carnage. And I would love to see it, preferably, like many people rated R. But if they're going PG-13 with this, they're probably going to do PG-13 with that. And if they ever plan on interacting with Spider-Man, they're going to have to keep it at PG-13. So hopefully, in the end, their, their choice to do PG-13 works out so that we could get exactly what they want to do, and hopefully uh, we do get, like, a maximum carnage type of thing in the future. Yeah, and, I, I mean, also the thing that Ruben did a lot in this movie that I was just like, man, like, not a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, there's a lot of Easter eggs. Uh, I think a lot of people in the showing yep. that we went to, Joel, missed the Jameson mm-hmm. line. Um, I think me, yeah. me and you were like, oh, man, like, <laughs> Jameson, like, that's his son. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people in the theater caught it. If they did, they just, like, they didn't care because, like, you didn't hear anyone, like, gasp or anything. Um, right. You know, that, the whole she-venom, the whole idea of the cool. being one possibly. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. One Easter egg, I don't know if, Juwan, if you caught, but I, maybe Joelle did. They, I don't know if it happened exactly in the comics, but it's very famous from the cartoon, and the cartoon does it so cheesy, but there's a part where – Venom's talking about Spider-Man, and he's like, he took everything. He took, he took my, my girlfriend, my apartment, my job, and, like, Tom Hardy literally does the same scene. With, I don't know. Stuff like yeah. that I do appreciate, you know, to, to, little, little Easter eggs, like the She-Venom, like you said. That, stuff like that was really cool. Yeah, and to me, what I love about when uh, directors do comic book movies is when, like <laughs> – Especially if the if the movie like you see it and you're kind of like oh man like this could have been a lot better. If I can leave like when I left Suicide Squad, the thing that I loved the most was David Ayer's shot. He had just one shot of a lot of different characters that I thought was dope. That one shot of Deadshot uh, with the bullets raining down, I thought that was freaking beautiful. Uh, the shot of Joker and Harley and the throwback costumes is beautiful. So, like, for Venom, She-Venom, I thought, was, was a beautiful shot. Um, the symbiote stretching out of Eddie's body to form into a face to talk to him, I thought, was really great. Um, the, the idea of how Riot looked, I think if there was one thing that just, like, extremely bothered me, so, I, like, I just couldn't get over it, it was how easily Riot was able to rip the symbiote from Eddie. As if, like, it wasn't a strong, like, like hold on it. Like, he just ripped them right out of it. <laughs> I was just like, all right, well, I get it's symbiote versus symbiote, so I guess Riot's a lot stronger. But, like, should it be that easy to, to rip them out of it? Um, that mm-hmm. I had somewhat of an issue with. Um, also, Dane, me and Joel were saying one of the things that we were like, we get it because it's PG-13, but, like, it was just a little annoying, was when, like, you saw Riot, like, stabbing and cutting people. And, like, they just fell. Like, you remember Power Rangers, like, when the, the Power Ranger would get shot and he would <laughs> jump in the air? Like, that's what it was yeah. like. Like, there was no bodies being cut in half or, like, blood or – so it was just yeah. like, this no. is really cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yep, it, yep, it, yep. It, 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 it was bloodless. Yeah, it's exactly bloodless. They, so it just, they saved the blood for the ending like, with Carnage, where he's writing on the wall. You see blood. That's the only hey. blood you get. <laughs> You guys notice that they got the amount of shits that they could for a PG-13 movie. I feel like they said shit every other fucking scene. I was like, okay. I was like, they're trying to keep that borderline, you know. I don't think I heard one F word, so I, 
I definitely think that. There were a lot of stuff that I was really confused on, you know, like why they didn't have security cameras in this giant government facility or facility to find out who the fuck was at there, you know, that caused all that mm-hmm. shit. That was a little bit – and I wasn't – I guess it was because the uh, riot – uh, Sibiant didn't like connect with the host, but how it would go from like a younger person to an older person. It, there was stuff that I was like, okay, like I guess that it's unfortunate because at this point, I will admit that it's gonna, like I, I wish I could go into a movie and not think about stuff like that, but it's just like that's what my brain kind of goes towards. But uh, yeah, and then there was a lot of other cool, sh- cool stuff too. So I mean, it it it, it wasn't balanced, but uh, it. it I like Venom. I w- really wish I could see that character with Tom Hardy in the MCU, but I, I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. No, I don't either, and I'm really curious. I'm super curious to see, like, obviously Tom said he signed on for three films. Obviously there's going to be a sequel. Um, but it did seem like in that one interview that you brought up at the beginning, Dane, it did bother him that they cut out a lot of the stuff that he really liked. Um, same as Jared Leto. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like the actor always feels like the parts that are cut are usually some of the best parts. Mm-hmm. So I now leaving this movie go, you know, cause like I said, I thought it was, I thought it was good, you know, nowhere near as bad as Catwoman. I don't think I've ever seen besides Jonah Hex. I don't think I've ever seen a comic book movie mm-hmm. that bad. Um, like they just ignored everything about the comics in that Catwoman, mm-hmm. in that Catwoman movie. Um, but I left this thinking it was okay, but I was like, it had potential to be so much better. So now I'm curious, the parts that they cut, how much of the movie was it? Like, was it five minutes, ten minutes, thirty, forty? Like, if they cut a huge portion of this movie, um, I'm now curious, <laughs> was that forty minutes the really good parts of this movie <laughs> that they that they left out? So, I mean, we're going to have to wait until the DVD is released to find out. But, I mean, I, I always hate to, like you said, Dana, it, it's becoming a trend that's, like, really tiresome because it's like I might as well not see it in theaters. I'll just wait till the DVD and see the full product rather than what the studio thought I needed to see. Um, yep. It was one of those things where it's like that's really annoying, and I prefer it if they didn't say it, if they just said the, the DVD will have uh, exclusive footage. That's all you have to say. But when you say, man, they cut the really good stuff out of this movie, but you can see it in the DVD, then it's like I have no need to, to pay any money to see it in theaters. I'll just wait and get the DVD. Yeah. So that does bother me a lot. Um, and it's a trend, like you said, needs to stop. And a lot of these studios have to start telling their actors and directors, don't say that. <laughs> because unless it's like a huge release, People are going to start, like, smartening up and go, maybe I just don't see it in theaters and I just wait to either catch it, whether it's uh, through Fire Stick or whatever, or the DVD. So, I mean, it is going to start to be harmful for movies like A Venom um, because it's like people are going to start smartening up and they're going to be like, well, this isn't like Avengers 4. I don't have to see it in theaters. Uh, And that's going to become really unfortunate. So, studios, please get these guys under wraps. Um, but did you guys have anything else to add about Venom? We didn't really get that much into Carnage. Joel, Dane, did you guys want to get a lot more into it, or are we good? Um, I'm saying that uh, I am looking forward to Carnage. I I was saying, people were saying he's too old, and I'm just like, what the fuck does that have to do with playing Cletus Cassidy? Woody Harrelson is going to do a great job. That wig, 
was a bit much. You could have <laughs> you could have you could have him bald. I don't think any of the bald like cared about that. He just yeah, he looked like fucking care stop. Um <laughs> but, but I am looking forward to him as Carnage. I think that Woody Harrelson give us like a level performance under the right direction and the right type of, you know, script flesh out uh Cletus Cassidy and has not been done. So yeah, I'm just I'm I'm optimistic about the future. Uh I hope they get a better movie started with Morbius and Craven first off the bat. And I hope there's not studio involvement because like we both said, I'm sick of that shit. Uh quit being reactionary and hashtag retire Aviarid. There you go. That's it. Yeah. I mean <laughs> last thing I'll I'll add is if Sony was smart, I know they're going to look at the success of Venom in the box office and go, well, look, guys, we can do it on our own. No, the quality wasn't that great. Like, you made the money, but the quality wasn't that great. If That's I was Sony, part. right, if I was Sony, what I would say is, listen, Kevin, I want to re-up for Spider-Man, but you have to acknowledge my my villains verse that we're creating. So instead of Morbius saying when the movie starts, uh, you know, uh, Marvel, you know, it always has the Marvel logo. It would be the um, the MCU logo that, that plays before all the MCU movies. Only because, like, I feel, if, if I'm Kevin Feige, I look at that and I go, man, if, if I worked on this film, it would have been a lot better. Like, if I was the guy at the top, you know, kind of setting things up, getting the right people in place and everything, it just would have been an overall better movie. So if I'm Feige, I'm like, you guys have been casting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Say it again, Dane. I said, would she helped out Homecoming? So that would make sense. I'm just wondering if it's more plausible that they say, all right, we're going to – we want to re-up. We want you to have Spider-Man, but we want him to be the linchpin between the universes. We want to be able to use him. You guys don't have to reference him, but very similar to Netflix – we can kind of reference you in certain ways. And then the Marvel Studios logo is a part of it, instead of saying a million times, in associated with Marvel Pictures or whatever the fuck they put. Right. And, I mean, to me, if, like, if you're Kevin Feige, like, that won't hurt the MCU. Like, if these movies come out and you don't have a hand in them, like, let's say if Kevin Feige's like, I want to be hands-off, but sure, you guys can reference that Thanos happened in your Craven movie or whatever. Like, it, like no one will see that movie, and if it's bad, go, man, I'm losing faith in, in the MCU. Like, no one's going to be – no one's going to say that. So it's like it's, it's only a win-win for, for Kevin Feige. I don't see where you could come out in the bad light. Like, I, I don't see that. And it's more of a service to the fan base because, I mean, it's, it is a little annoying to watch Venom and Carnage go head-to-head with there never have been being a Spider-Man in that universe, as far as we know. There's been no mention whatsoever. So it's like, it is a little annoying. It's like, all right, dude, like, come on, figure something out, guys. Um, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. We'll see what comes from it. Um, but, Joel, did you have anything else to add? No, you guys pretty much filled that all in. All right. Um, all right. So let's go into something we all have been waiting to talk about for the longest, and that is Titans. Episode one was released. By the way, let me say this, uh, DC, you guys have been amazing to us, Geek Vibes Nation, so don't take this in the negative sense, but 
this one episode a week or whatever you're you're doing is killing me. You got to give me the whole season. Um, like these episodes, like that first episode was, I loved it. Um, and Britton, you knocked uh, playing Robin completely out of the park. Um, this is a great, great first episode. Um, Joel, I'll go to you first. What were your thoughts on the first episode of Titan? I really liked it. Um, I had uh, my issues with it. Uh, I wasn't perfect by any means, but um, the good, the stuff I liked, I really liked, and the stuff I didn't like, it, I, it's fixable. I don't think there's anything I didn't like that I don't, I don't think cannot be like resolved later on in the season. So, like for me, like personally, Dick Grayson, Robin, uh, Brenton Felicia, him, great. I mean, I was, I felt that dude is awesome as Dick Grayson as Robin. I thought his, the costumes are top, not his costume especially is top notch. Um, the other characters like Raven, um, I thought they did well with her. I like uh, the visuals for her, even though I was, uh, I remember when they first showed her, it was a little weird to see that version of the, like how they, because she like, like I think we were talking about the other day, like it looks more like she's possessed and she's had demon, kind of has that kind of feel to it. So I thought that was kind of weird. But aside from that, I, I do enjoy uh, their portrayal, especially visually of Raven. Starfire is, is its own thing. It's still that, uh, confusing as to what they're doing with her. Uh, but I know, but they're obviously holding back and not telling us the whole story right away. So there's a there's obviously a story behind it that we're, they they don't tell you in the first episode. So they're going to draw it out for a little bit apparently. But I did like from what I saw of her, she did a great job doing with the role that she had. Um, and we got very little beast boy in the first episode. But yeah, my only issue with the show, especially the pilot, was that believe it or not, the music choices were kind of odd to me. Wasn't a huge fan of that specifically. Like I didn't like the score. I really don't know what the score is for that show. That was a little off and a little weird to me. Some of the scenes were kind of cheesy and uh, probably not the best written scenes. But overall, I did enjoy the the pilot episode. And I and like you like you were talking about, I I don't like the whole idea of waiting week by week. I mean, we already do that on on network television. I wish they just drop it all so we could just binge it like in one day or whatever. But you know, it's a, at least it's eleven episodes. I thought it was only gonna be ten. So it's like eleven episodes. Hour, like almost an hour long. I, I look forward to seeing how, how the rest of the show progresses, but I did enjoy the pilot, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and to go right off of where you, you left off there, I get it. I get why network television is weekly. One of the biggest reasons is sometimes they're still filming, um, like, the, the second half of that season. Like, we see all the time, um, like, when Stephen Amell is like, oh, episode one of season six is out, but it's like he's still filming Arrow. Like, he's not filming the next season. They're still filming, um, whether it's reshoots or whatever, they're still filming stuff for that same season. So it's like if Titans is completely done and you're on a streaming service, why would you make this week to week? I thought the whole purpose of the streaming service was to get something that's different than what we get on network television, which is the idea of having it right then and there. Like, can you picture the uproar if Netflix was like, hey, guys, I know how much you love Daredevil. You're getting it weekly. Like, people would be like, you know what? F this. I don't, <laughs> no, I'll just wait till it's all done and then watch it all all, all I want. Like, that's just, it, it, it's the thing of, like, I, I was hoping streaming services would be different in the sense of we get it all in one. Like, if that was the case, just put on network television, then, and we watch it weekly. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that kills me. And <laughs> it's funny, Joel, <laughs> uh, what you were saying about the music choice. Um, 
so it, weird. <laughs> I never noticed it till you said it, and then I was just like, yeah, it is a little weird. <laughs> That's a little bothersome. Yeah, it's a little odd. Bit. Yeah, it is yeah. a little odd. Um, but the one good thing um, is out of the whole first episode, if that's all our, our issues are with it, I think that bodes well for how we'll feel going forward. Because um, our issues aren't like, oh, the acting was bad or, oh, the writing was over the top. Like, it's just it's a few things here and there. Um, from what you've said so far, um, the, uh, as far as the issues that you had with it, I, I was telling you uh, to go on what you were saying about Raven, it just doesn't look like she's part demon. It just looks like there's uh, like uh, a demon inside of her, but like you can exercise mm-hmm. it out and then she'll just be a regular girl. Like she doesn't seem like she's part demon. So, I mean, I told you that was killing me. Like the whole idea of that is just like, what are you guys, what are you guys doing with Raven? Um, but like you said, we didn't really get any beast boy in this. So, and then Starfire, that's, I have a question mark next to Starfire. I'll give, no reviews on Starfire till I see uh, at least, I want to say, eight episodes worth. So I have a clear idea on what the <laughs> heck you're trying to do with the girl. Um, because it's like, if I go, I oh, agree. I hate it. If I go, oh, I hate it, but then uh, four episodes in or five episodes in, they explain it. Now i got to retract it. So I'll just put a question mark there till they start to explain more. Um so that's the only thing that drives me crazy about Starfire is I want to love it because Anna was a super nice person when we met her. Um, so, like, I, I, and I think she's doing a good job, I think, I want to say, um, <laughs> but I can't say that for sure. So we see more of Starfire. Um, but, Dane, what were your initial thoughts on the first episode of Titan? I actually I really liked it. I think it was a good pilot. It set up a bunch of stuff going on where you're really confused of where it's going. And the hopes are they're all going to connect well uh, to be able to get to wherever they're going with the story. Um, I'm, I'm like you guys. We, we sound like snotty millennials, like we need our fucking shit to binge right now. But it's very cinematic, and I do appreciate that. So I kind of do want to see it all in one sitting because I think – and at some points it was kind of like direct. Uh, but I, I think the show was going for, and I said this. Stranger Things meets Netflix Daredevil, mainly that show with the level of violence, stuff like that, and more so with Dick Grayson. A um, little bit of Runaways, too. The popular stuff that's happening, basically, on streaming platforms, they kind of mesh them. But I think they did a good job of doing that, actually. Um, it was just kind of noticeable. And I think one thing that you guys weren't realizing, and when you are saying the music, the music... At certain parts, I didn't like it, but the stuff that I did like from it, it was because it was so much like Stranger Things. It was the same type of 80s-style synthesizer, making those weird, creepy, like, little patterns, stuff like that. It just, like I I said, it was a good thing, and I think they did it well, but it was noticeable. They were kind of pulling from, actually, Stranger Things. Um, I think the girl that played Raven was really good, uh, especially based on her age. Man, when when it gets to that point where, where... and we could talk spoilers. Well, if not, let me just say there was a very violent scene with Raven that I didn't expect him to go that far. That was even exceeds what happens with Robin in the alley from that one uh, preview. Um, I think a lot of stuff that was out of context, whether it be Robin beating all of them up and saying, fuck Batman, you know, kind of make him look like he was just whining and bitching uh, or the picture of Starfire. Once you see them on the episode itself, it's a fuckload better. It, it, it's way it makes a lot more sense, and that's that's just what's 
you know, with anything. I thought Dick Grayson was awesome. The actor that played him, I like older, and, you know, you can tell that this is going to be the transition to Nightwing, basically. I don't know if they're going to be taking Jason Todd or what's going to go on with that to play Robin or if it's going to be Tim Drake. But I liked him, and I liked all the scenes. The action scenes were great. The special effects were really impressive. I like seeing what Greg Berlanti can do with a DC property when he's not forced to do the melodrama concept that the CW makes him do. You know, kind of add those parts that are... I mean, I love Arrow and all them, but Dawson's Creek-esque, if you will. they got to have that style of flavor, that melodrama flavor. He kind of... He did a cinematic, you know, movie with the directors that I think is going to get progressively better. And I think it's a really good first episode. I've heard good things about the second and third episode from, you know, people at Comic-Con. So I'm excited for that. Um, I don't know. Starfire was interesting. I don't know what the backstory is with that. But it's still intriguing. I like that they're going for more of an adult approach. I think that the main thing to do with people is that if you're so used to the cartoon get out of your head a little bit. I'm sure we're going to see dynamics like that. I know the the guy that played um, Beast Boy definitely took a lot of influence from the voice actor for that uh, character role. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is more of an adult look at things, and it's I mean, there's a lot of parallels, like I've said, to the George Perez, Mark Wolfman, uh, Teen Titans run. Uh, so that was in the 70s. It was a much more adult approach. Young Justice kind of has that quality, too. So I think it's going to be interesting, and I, I, I dug it. I thought it was a cool first episode. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And a lot of what you were saying when we were talking to the cast, um, you know, they were echoing. Uh, I think even Ryan Potter, who plays Beast Boy, was saying uh, about Greg Wolfman and kind of where he got the, the whole approach from. Greg Sipes, we know, I think is his name, who voiced Beast Boy um, mm-hmm. in the original Titan series, uh, Teen Titan series, rather, sorry. Um you know, we just we, we found out a lot through interviewing them. We found out a lot through this first episode. And I think, like you said, Dane, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, you don't get that sappy feel to it like you do with the CW shows. Um, and I think that was one of the issues, uh, Joel. Uh, I was voicing to you about Batwoman being on the CW. I just feel like Ruby Rose's personality fits what they're trying to build in the streaming service, which was a more... Uh, I don't want to say contained, but just allowing the characters to be themselves. I can't remember in the comics when I've ever seen Dick Grayson as vicious as he is in this first episode. But I'm fine with that liberty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, He's I could brutal, obviously yeah. be missing the comic for it. Um, you know, but I like the liberties that they're taking. Um, and they're allowing them to be themselves. It's separating it. Like, I love this. The, the original Teen Titans cartoon is obviously different than Teen Titans Go. This is obviously way different than both of them, and I like that. I like that it doesn't feel especially like something though. we've seen before. <laughs> um, well, yes, especially that. Um, and I love that there's no lovey-dovey sappiness. Like, it's just – it's raw, and I love that. Um, like, I, it's not devoid of heart, obviously. Neither is Daredevil. But Daredevil is so gritty and so grounded and realistic that it's like it doesn't paint this, you know, insane – world like – with Arrow, Arrow sometimes, like, paints, it, paints this world to where you're just like, I don't feel the, the realness of this at all. Like, Titans gives you that real, that real feeling about it. Uh, and, and I just, I love it. And like I said, I need this Robin to be connected to the, the, the movie universe that's been saved. 
Because when I tell you, I don't think you can find a better Robin to compliment Ben than that kid. Uh, he just, the bulkiness of him. Well, and what when happens, we met him, Joel, he doesn't look that big. Well, how, <laughs> like, no, he's not. He's actually a pretty thin dude, yeah. So it's like, man, whatever he was doing uh, to look that big or whatever they did to make him look that big, it's sick. Um, right. But well, no, I would not say, hold that on. big. I was thinking, you how you know you're saying you were like he's a great compliment, like Robin wise to like Ben's Batman. But what happens if you could just bring in a Batman that compliments him as Robin down the line? Like this, like I would love to see this world expanded and maybe get a bigger version of the Bat Family, and maybe they eventually cast the Batman for this uh, DC Universe world. I, I wouldn't hold my breath, but I wouldn't be at all upset if they they got a, someone to compliment his Robin. Like let's say you can possibly get John Hamm on the DC Universe as your Batman, something like that, because the likelihood of him being in the movies doesn't look likely. So bring him to the DC Universe as the Batman there. I think that'd be great. You know, I would love to see the Batman family forward on the DC Universe. I mean, no, listen, you know anything Batman or Bat Family, I am all for. Only reason, and this is why I stress to you, Joel, that from from what we saw of Britain and then having the conversation with him, I really want him to have, like, his own show. Um, and it's because, like, I don't know how you work. I mean, obviously we see, uh, we saw from the, the teaser that um, uh, Jason Todd is going to be in here. Um, we know Bruce mm-hmm. exists, obviously. So at some point right. we'll see Jason, and then at some point, whether it's season two or season three, we'll see Bruce. What I don't want is for, because if you guys remember the cartoon, it was very loose on any of the Bat family. I mean, not even mentioning them uh, that often. Um, I want this show, I don't want this show to start to be Robin's show. So I don't want it to be to where it's like, we see a lot of the Bat family. Like, I want it to still be Titan's show. Uh, The team, about the team. That's why I said, if, if Dick had his own show based in Bloodhaven, then I'm all for it. You could have all kinds of Bat Family all up and down there. Um, but you know me. I will never be against seeing Batman in any form or any capacity. Give me Batman. Uh, especially if you can sell John Hamm on the idea of coming in. Um, but, no, I mean, listen, I, I, I loved what he did. And also, talking to Tegan, who plays um, Raven, Raven. she she. She's doing, especially from this first episode, a really good job as Raven. Um, I mean, <laughs> we had asked her, like, is, is there any potential, like, we might see Azarath, um, and, like, she she wanted to spoil it so bad, man, but she's like, nah, you know, she I don't know, up. like, I can't say, yeah. Uh, she, got, she got her agent in there really quick. Um, but, like, I am really curious, I mean, Joel, me and you talked about this, like, she has the, I don't know if you noticed it, Dan, she has the necklace with the red pendant. Uh, on it, um, so I'm curious. Like uh, by the end of the season, when we see Trigon, does she trap him in it and then places it on her forehead, and that's how we get the the Raven look that we know uh, from whether it's the comics or the old cartoons. Um, so there's just so much to explore, so much to find out uh, about this show, and that's why it kills us that it's only one episode per week because it's like there's all these questions we have that we now have to space out through the course of like a month and a half or maybe two months possibly to find these answers. Um, so, I mean, that the idea of that is going to drive me insane. Um, but, uh, Joel and James, you guys have anything else to add about the first episode of Titans? 
Um, no, not really. I, I, I just hope that it does well. Um, it, it looks like he has a hell of a lot of potential uh, with the direction they're going. And I don't know if they can slowly get certain characters involved. That would be awesome. Kind of going back to your point about the Batman thing, I kind of agree that there should be a balance like that where, you know, kind of like our, the first season of Supergirl, you know, you saw Superman sort of, but you never saw him. And then they they got Tyler Hoechlin. You can you can work Batman mm-hmm. in, but don't make the show about Batman or make it just focused on Robin. But have him in there at some point, and then maybe later on seasons you pull the Young Justice where Batman's telling Robin how to fucking lead his team and do certain things, more covert ops missions uh, like that. But we'll have to wait and see what they do with this season and what direction they go in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, that, that's always my worry. And that was my concern. Um, you guys were telling me like, you know, I was overreacting, but that was my concern about bringing Batman into a universe where you have a character that's already filling that void of Batman. Um, because like Arrow has become a huge character now in mainstream. Um, you know, obviously people that watch the cartoons know about him and read the comics. Uh, but he, I think he's a lot bigger now that the show is good. So, I, like, I didn't want you to bring in Batman and then the focus somewhat shifts on who the face of this, you know, who the face of the CW universe is. Because people then will go, well, I want a lot of Batman. I mean, how many times, guys, have we heard after seeing Superman and Supergirl, people want more Superman? And it's like, well, it's not Superman's show. <laughs> so it's like, you're only going to get but so much because it's a show about Supergirl. You're not going to get from Superman. Um, so I think it's one of those things where it's like Batman is one of those characters that once you see him, you kind of want, obviously not a season full of them, but like a lot more of them than, than the one time you might see him. So that's why I just don't want the focus to ever shift on it being about the kids um, and just focus on them. Uh, but I would love a scene of uh, Bruce Wayne talking to Dick Grayson, trying to tell him how to, you know, how to go about leading a team, and Dick Grayson not wanting to hear any parts of it. Uh, <laughs> like I would, I would love a scene like that because uh, I think it would just be fitting. It would be fitting for the the whole setup that you have of he just wants nothing to do with him. Um, so I mean, I love what the first episode set up, uh, and I love the fight scenes. The choreography for that that uh, that alleyway scene was just spot on. Um, so I can't wait to see yeah. what else we have to look forward to uh, when it comes to this Robin. But um, all right, guys. So we got all the the gush out about Titans. I think we could go on about that forever, but it's hard to do it with just one episode. Uh, I think we have Nick on. We have Nick on, right, Dane? Oh, he's on. What up? What's I'm going on my on, Donkey Nick? Kong, motherfuckers. You was on like Donkey Kong, man. All right, so I'm going to go to this next topic, and I want to start with you, Nick, um, while we're still in the TV world before we move on to our trailer talk. Um, News came out, unfortunately, that Iron Fist was canceled uh, after its second season on Netflix, and that is heartbreaking to me, mainly because it's like I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I thought the second season made up for how horrible the first season was. And I think a lot of the issues of the first season was more so a showrunner uh, than any of the actors or actresses of that first season. Uh, You might not have liked their performances, but I don't think they were necessarily horrible. I think the writing for them was just abysmal. 
Uh, and we all know yeah. Scott Buck is possibly one of the cheapest, if not the cheapest, showrunners that we've ever seen. Um, he just tries to find, like, plot holes so he can save money. Um, the second season I thought was really good. It ended to where it made me angry enough. I had to immediately contact Joel and say, calm <laughs> me down. And Joel was like, okay, relax. This is why he had the guns. This is why this. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. So now I'm looking forward to the third season. I pass it to you, Nick, now that it seems we will not be getting that third season. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. Um, you know, we, we had a long discussion about, uh, season two and I, we all loved it. I mean, it was, I thought it was, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't on like any of Daredevil's quality or Punisher quality. Um, but I definitely thought it was on par of Luke Cage quality. Um, and like, and that's really fucking good. Like, and that's what I thought season two was. I mean, I, I thought it was really good. I, um, I think I think there was a stigma behind it. Um I saw one of our um uh, one of our patrons the other day uh basically comment and say, you know, I it's not surprising because, you know, I I only made it through a few episodes in season 1 and I didn't even bother watching season 2. And it was like, damn, man, like yep. Yep. I I I mean, I get it because season 1 was such a just it you really had, for me anyway, I, I had to, like, dredge through it. Like, it was it was hard to watch. Um, I mean, I made it all the way through it because I got that kind of dedication, I guess. But I understand it. And, and you know, I know, Joelle, um, I know you liked it for what it was. And, and you recognize its flaws, but you could find it, you found it enjoyable, at least in enough parts to where you liked it. Um, but it was bad, like, in my opinion. It was not good. But season two, like, resurrected everything. It, made, it kind of corrected everything. And, you know, I thought they did a really good job of really exploring these various characters, setting everything up. Um, and they and they left it where even more amped for where it was going to go. Honestly, like, I was probably more amped for where Iron Fist was going to go than for Luke, where Luke Cage was going to go for season three, for where Jessica Jones was going to go for season three. Um, I will say I'm, I'm still more amped than anything for, for where Daredevil goes post um, the Defenders. Uh, I mean, that takes the cake, obviously. But, like, that's saying a lot for, like, for me to be more amped on where Iron Fist is going to go versus, you know, Jessica Jones, which, you know, I love. I'm probably the biggest fan of Jessica Jones on this whole panel. Um, I loved both seasons. But, you know, and, and Luke Cage. I mean, we all love Luke Cage. And, you know, but the the fact that they're just not going to let it go, I mean, it, it sucks. It, it really does. I, I, I just wish that you know, we could see that through. I'm very much hoping that Cheo, our, our man Cheo, will do Luke, Luke Cage season three, and that will set up um, set up uh, uh, Heroes for Hire, and that will be the thing that carries on those two characters. 
and just let Shea run it because, I mean, the man knows iron. Like, the best part of Danny Rand that we've seen in all of this was definitely in season two of Luke Cage. So, I mean, he gets, he gets the character. Um, and he gets the dynamic between the characters of Luke Cage and Iron Fist. So I'm, I'm hoping that that will happen and that they can maybe do a little bit in there just to resolve, you know, what was set up from season two. I'm hoping that that's, that's the plan. Um, I, think I just don't want them to abandon what they had set up. Like, even if they, like, even if they do hear us for hire, like, and they just abandon everything that was set up, like, or they just like throw it away in one line of dialogue or some shit. Like I don't want to see that. I want to see um, like where these characters go. Especially like I was not a big fan of Ward in season one. Um, I like I know uh, mine and Dane's buddy John Colina thought he was one of the biggest standouts of of season one, and I just didn't see it. But I loved him in season two. I thought like. His, his dynamic uh, and his parallel to, to uh, Danny was really good as far as this, like, battling addiction kind of thing. And, like, I don't want to see that character fall by the wayside, um, you know, and, and just so, you know, we can basically pull Danny Rand into Luke Cage's world. Like, I want to see both of those kind of combined and still have them have their own connections separate from one another and see if we can blend all that together. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I am very, very disappointed. I felt like I felt like the fact that they did 10 episodes was also good. I feel like at the very least you could do like a six-episode season where you're not investing that much into it. Um, for the people who, you know, really want to see where this is going to go, so I don't know. I get it. It 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 just wasn't a big seller, but it, it it is very disappointing, especially given everything that they set up uh, in season two. Yeah, and I think the biggest issue that I have is um, I blame I blame the fan base, and this is why uh, they did exactly what the three of us told them not to do. And don't they let. They Don't prejudge season two on season one. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone went, season one was so horrible, I have no need to watch season two. We specifically said, or, do not or let they that went, stop you. They went, season, season one was really bad, um, so I'm going to wait and see what the critics say. And then the critics, it wasn't as tanned as season one, but then the critics were like, eh, you know, but at best mixed. And so they were like, ah, fuck it, I'm not going to bother. Yeah, I mean, I, I told the, I was telling the guys at my job, like, you know, did you guys hear that it got canceled? And he was like, yeah, I figured season one was horrible, and I never really gave season two, season two a chance. Uh, so, I mean, it makes sense. I'm just like, what? <laughs> no, watch it. Like, watch it. I think if you actually sit, for everyone who hated season one, I think if you sit down and watch it, you can then go, like, this wasn't, you know, obviously it was nowhere near as bad as season one. It was just pretty good. Or maybe you think it was horrible, but I just, we stress to the world, give it a chance. Like, if you watch the first three episodes and you just couldn't get into it, cool. You know, all right, whatever. But to not watch it at all, that's how things like this happen. And now it's like, it, it's, it's crazy because, like, we would love to see well, the report came out last night. Well, not last night, but yesterday. Um, Joe, I'm pretty sure you saw this article that Danny Rand is going to mm. pop up in other shows. 
So it's not it, – Danny Rand's not gone. But now it's like, all right, well, it ended with him having two glowing fists. So it's like if you put him in season three of Luke Cage, and Luke's like, oh, wow, you got two hands that glow up. And he's like, yeah, I had an eventful summer. It's like, all right, well, no, that does me no justice. Like, exactly. No, 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 no. Don't do it not in one throwaway line of dialogue. Don't exactly. do that. Like, Exactly, yeah. like you were saying. So it's just one of those things where it's like, and what I don't want is for Chael to feel like he has to put Iron Fist in season three or, or you know, obviously he can't be in season three of Jessica Jones. They're almost done filming. Um, and Daredevil season three is completely done. comes out next, next Friday. Um, so it's like the only thing we could see him in uh, that soon is, would be Luke Cage. So it's like I, don't, I, I hate when certain things like this happen, and now it's like people are like, well, I got to see him in this. Like, I don't want Chael to go, well, I had a strict plan for what I wanted to do for season three. Now I can tweak it a little bit to place this guy in. Like, I don't want that. Just don't put him in. Um, maybe, and I also say this before I pass it to you, Dane. I saw a lot of people say, well, maybe Disney streaming service will pick it up. Do you know how idiotic that is? I doubt <coughs> the Netflix universe and the Disney streaming service will ever be able to um, blend. So it's like if you bring Iron Fist back in this Disney streaming service, I don't think you'll ever be able to be – like you won't be able to bring Daredevil and those guys over or him to them. So it's like, no, if he's gone, just let him be gone and bring him back in any capacity you can bring him back in within that universe. Uh, don't go out of your way just to give us uh, another season as much as I want to see it. I would rather all of the shows go to the streaming service and then if Disney is like, you know what, I think it makes sense to bring the show back. Then we have the show back that everybody is together. Uh, and I also don't like the notion of they got rid of Iron Fist to make room for Ghost Rider or Moon Knight. Like, I don't see how getting rid of that show makes it available for Netflix to have more shows. Like, that also just makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, but, Dan, what, what are your thoughts on the show being canceled? And then just, like, the idea of people wanting – Iron Fist to be on the Disney streaming service and then keep the rest of the shows on Netflix. Um, I think that's really illogical that if Netflix thinks that they don't have enough viewers to, to have a reason to keep Iron Fist, that people would fucking think they would put on the D- Disney streaming service. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, that's just, that's just business would say. Um, this, this does suck. This, this uh, sucks for people that are fans of the character. Um, it's kind of the opposite. It, it just goes into, you know, what have you done for me lately uh, when it came to it. It's the opposite of, like, all right, the reason why Iron Man 3 made so much money wasn't because people liked it, because even if you thought it was a good movie or whatnot, a lot of people had problems with it, obviously. It was because it came right after the Avengers. So the opposite type of thing, the, the season one thing, really just killed them for people to watch season two. And I get what you guys are saying, and I can uh, I can agree to an extent. And but I mean, there's only so many hours of a day, and if you're going to dedicate yourself towards the series, you want it to to pick up. And I mean, with me, I watched the first five seasons of Walking Dead, and I was done. And I just gave up. I heard it's gotten better. I can't go back. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people because I watched the first five episodes said, fuck this. And I don't want to go back to watch six through and then keep on just to get to this season. And I heard it was really good. And maybe it's lazy of me, but it's also at the same time, like 
that was the result of the first one. That was, you know, it, it just kind of tarnished it. Now, as far as Luke Cage, I also agree with you guys. I don't want him just to become a side character on the show, but that seems like it might I'm kind of, I'm not worried about Daredevil and Punisher or even Luke Cage, you know, but now I'm kind of worried about Jessica Jones. And, you know, if it doesn't do extremely well in the next season, if Netflix will drop it. I know, I don't think they have a lot of reason. In, I don't know how the contracts work. I don't think they have a lot of reason to drop any of the Marvel shows unless a contract stops. So they'll keep Daredevil and Punisher perform pretty damn well. And I think Luke Cage has a, has a definite following, but um, re rebranding it heroes for hire, trying to ignore the past and just have it. Their show seems kind of dumb. I think Luke Cage performed good by himself. So you don't have to do that. Um, having Danny as a character on that show, same thing, but that might be the direction they're forced to. And, you know, unfortunately for Cheo, if, 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 you know, Marvel and Netflix say, you know, if Jeff Loeb says, Hey, you got to put uh, Danny Rand as a main character on the show. Uh, you're going to go more in directions of heroes for hire. You're going to have to do that, but who knows what, um, where they go with it. And uh, hashtag fuck Scott Buck. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Amen to that. But the, the biggest thing that I, I was trying to get to Dane was yep. uh, the thing I compared this to is like, remember the outroar of season five of Arrow with uh, Damian Dark, how people just hated that season. Like, they just thought it was the worst Four thing and ever. three. Or four and uh, five. Even the Raja Ghul one just completely turned people off. Right. But it didn't help that it followed it up with season five. Um, yeah. Like, people, I, I know people that were like, all right, season four I can live with. It's just like, you, you can't follow that up with how horrible season five was. Um, but my thing is, even better, let's go off of your logic of um, uh, the logic of people hated season four and season five, right? My thing is that, that we were trying to say was, all right, cool. So you hated season four, hated season five. Season six is easily up there as one of the best seasons of ever. So it's like, Agreed. I don't want you to see season four, season five and go, I am done with it. Wait a minute. What's, ahead, what's this season? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Season What's three, the... season four. Sorry, season three, season yeah, four. Yeah, I'm about to say. Five. We love five. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. Five was Prometheus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, listeners. Thank you, Joel. Uh, season three and season four were the bad ones. Season three was Al Ghul. Season four was um, Damien Dark. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. What I was there saying was, if you hated season three and season four, give season five a few episodes just to kind of see if the feeling is different in the last and if you can't get into it you just can't get into it like I'm not holding I'm not I don't hold that against anyone it's just not for you like I gave up on Walking Dead I want to say like three seasons ago so it's like I would never judge someone for just saying it's not for me but what I was saying but the question is go ahead I'm sorry but the question is I'm not saying that you're criticizing people that are doing it if if it came down, and maybe it's just me, but since I have been out of Walking Dead for two seasons, for me to get back into it, I would have the want to go back to get forward instead of just starting and not knowing what happened in the past. So even right. with the two-season show, like Iron Fist, I think a lot of people probably have that same thought process, maybe. Yeah. Which, like I said, which I completely understand. If you're saying, like, you didn't finish season one, so it's like you're the kind of person that would have to finish it to then go into season two. I get that. I get what you're saying. All I'm saying is, excuse me, if you don't want to see season two because of how horrible season one was, 
all I'm saying is it's polar opposites of each other. Um, like season two is a lot better than what the previous season gave. Um, same as Arrow. Season four is drastically different feel than season five. Season five made us go, wait, is this season one or is this season five? Like I, I got the feel of the the good Arrow back. Um, so like I said, I completely get what you're saying, Dane. I was just saying I didn't want people to go, well, I hated season one, so there's absolutely no need for me to go into season two. Because it's like, well, just please try it. <laughs> because it, it's so much better than that. Um, I mean, we had a lot of people back when Daredevil first came out, uh, the, the show, that for some reason was like, well, I hated the movie. It's like, yeah, but they're not the same thing. Like, the movie is different <laughs> than what this, this, this show is giving you. Uh, like, they're polar opposites. Um, and it's crazy to say that season one to season two is like a polar opposite, but obviously different showrunners uh, usually give that kind of feel to it. Um, so I was just saying, like, if you ever get a chance to finish season one, if you did finish it to the people listening, and you get a chance, give season two just, like, I'd say three episodes. Um, and if, like, you just can't get through the, the three episodes or episode three, then at least you tried. Um, but I do think it's it's a huge upgrade over uh, that horrible season one. Um, but uh, sorry, Joel, uh, what were your on Iron Fist being canceled, man? And do you want to see season three go somewhere else, or would you just prefer to see Iron Fist pop up on different shows? I uh, I'm very very disappointed. That hurt me a lot when I got the news yesterday. Uh, Cause I more than anyone, I think I was more excited for the possibilities of season three, and not just about everybody. Um, and it hurts, man, because what they were gonna do is gonna be so awesome, and we'll never get to see that. At least not in the way I expected to. Um, and it's not fair because the show deserved at least to, well, should have been allowed to finish its own, at least the story. I mean, we're, it, it just, they left us with blue balls now. We're going to be stuck who knows how long before we get any type of closure on that storyline. And it, it absolutely stinks. Um, and it has a lot to do with, like you guys are talking about, the stigma behind it. Even as good as it was, people just didn't want to get over the fact that it, it, you know, it had season one existed. You know, they just, they couldn't get over that at all. Uh, and it was just, he was always going to be looked at negatively because of how bad season one was to a lot of people and, and, and how it was portrayed. And it's just always, he's always, it's kind of like a stain that he couldn't get rid of even as good as the season two was for us. It wasn't enough to, to change people's minds. Uh, and it's just not right. And it just sucks. A lot of balls. <laughs> um, but I do expect for Iron Fist, Danny Rand to live on through other shows, like you were saying. I was thinking about it yesterday. I was talking with, uh, talking about it with a couple people, and I was like, I think what should happen if uh, Luke gets picked up for season three, uh, even though it kind of looks that way, and if he does, uh, they'll probably input Danny at some point. I wouldn't do it right away. I think uh, Luke's story has to find closure, uh, at least for season two, and you could probably fill that up uh, in like mid, like through most of that the third season and leave Danny coming in, in in small spurts and like you guys didn't want it to be closed in in one in one sentence I agree with that but when he does show up you have no time to explain where the fuck he's been and what happened so you're gonna have to like probably one line in the beginning and leave it open for for later on for if there is a Heroes for Hire it won't be uh, as a replacement for Luke Cage season three it'll probably be its own thing afterwards if 
you know, that's the direction they go in. And I hope they do because I, I, I always preferred Cage and, and Danny together than separate, uh, even though I've enjoyed both seasons uh, in their own merit. Um, but, I, you know, I really want to see uh, them together. And, look, the fact that we got it, like, no season three from Iron Fist, we still have yet to see him in his costume is fucking, tr- like, bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. Two seasons of Iron Fist, not once in his costume. That's not right. I mean, we got him in his mask. Thank God we got him in his mask. But with no, no costume in two seasons, that's – I don't want to say they deserve to be fucking uh, canceled because of that period, but that, that, that's some <laughs> bullshit within me. You know, it's like on just that merit that you don't get – you get two seasons in and you never see the motherfucker in his costume is absolutely wrong. Um, but hopefully this just means that we'll get him later on in something. Because I have no doubt that Tao can probably work something out. Even if it's him and Raven together uh, doing uh, Heroes for Hire in the future, I'd be so down for that. I, like, as co-showrunners, I'd be great. Uh, but, hey, look, I just, I just don't want the character to die or Colleen's character to die. Uh, I want to see more of them, like, the Daughters of the Dragon, Heroes for Hire. Hopefully it's, it's not, a, like, they're not, gone gone and it's just like well it's more like see you later yeah you know? yeah i mean uh, listen, wait hold on juan real quick um yeah, you point out a really good thing joel like so if and when we get season three of luke cage i guess what i would like to see is a um essentially what you were saying is he he shows up um like full costume at the very end um, almost, you can almost even make it like a post-credit scene um, to 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 the actual like season. So it so it doesn't like affect what Cheo is working on for um, season three of Luke Cage. Uh, but then like set that up for Heroes for Hire, um, and then in the first episode of Heroes for Hire, you can sort of do the lead-in, uh, at least like the first episode of Heroes for Hire can be an hour-long sort of recap of where Danny Rand has been that trails off from Season 2 of Iron Fist. And then after, like, essentially the first episode ends where Luke Cage ends, if you will, the Season 3 of Luke Cage ends. And then you just you just go forward with Heroes for Hire and you just let Cheo... Um, have free reign with both of those characters. Um, like, it, I, I feel like that's kind of what you were alluding to. Um, and and if that's the case, like that, I would love to see. Um, yeah. Because you know, I mean, I feel like we we deserve at least like the, the, for for the people out there who really liked uh, Iron Fist, uh, whether it be both seasons or just season two or what have you. Like, we deserve some kind of resolution. So just give us an hour like, the first episode of, of Heroes for Hire that, like, resolves those, like, plot threads, at least with Iron Fist, and then, you know, we can work in the, uh, you know, Daughters of the Dragon, uh, you know, um, where where that left off in various other um, episodes, but, uh, or maybe just make a Daughters, Daughters of the Dragon television show and let those characters um, go from there. Um, but like, yeah, I think that is definitely where I would like to see everything go, given the news that we got. Yeah, I mean, oh. I, the biggest question I have is just like, 
Iron Fist didn't get a season three, but Jessica Jones did. And I'm not saying anything necessarily, like, horrible about Jessica Jones, but that season two is just, oof. Um, so it's just, I, I, I like they must have, <laughs> season two, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, no, I just disagree. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I disagree. So, I mean, season two of I Iron Fist has to have been, like, the worst possible ratings, like, in the history of Netflix. Like, I assume that's what it was, because Jessica Jones season two was not all that good. And for yeah, it, it was really good. Green light. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I mean, it Opinions. immediately got a green light. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, now we have to wait and see this Luke Cage come back um, and then just what happens going forward. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be fun to see, but yeah, Jessica Jones, anyway, uh, let's move on. <laughs> That, that's going to confuse me till, till the end of time. Uh, let's go into some trailer talk. We got a, let me not say a crap word. We got a lot of trailers to discuss. Um, let's kind of just kind of go through them really quickly. Um, let's start off actually with the Hellboy trailer. Now, I know a lot of our viewers are going to go, wait, the Hellboy trailer didn't drop. You're right. We were at New York Comic Con. We saw the trailer. We're just going to tell you about the trailer that we saw at Spear Comic-Con. Uh, and hopefully sometime, whether, whether it's in this week or whenever, they act to everyone. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed the trailer. But I'm going to go to you first, Joel. Uh, what were your thoughts on the first official – no, the official New York Not Comic-Con official. trailer. <laughs> uh, <hell> <laughs> Not official. <laughs> Oh man, um, it was good. It was so much fun. It's just, uh, I would, did not expect it to be that fun of a trailer because uh, based on the pictures, it looks so gloomy and dark, and um, I didn't expect to have the tone that it does. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful trailer. I think it's, a, I think it's really good. I can't wait to see it uh, again. And uh, I do like his look. He looks really good as Hellboy, and I think he does a really good job. He's just. I like you know it's hard to say you could it's hard to I don't want to talk shit at all because I think Ron Perlman was a great great Hellboy and was like made for that role but I think Harbor is doing a great job uh, based on what we've seen and, and like it's just I think he's gonna do a great job I, I think they're doing a, the Lord's work there with a <laughs> with Hellboy the new Hellboy and I can't wait to see where it goes and. It was just, I mean, they showed a lot for for a, for a trailer that you know that was I thought was gonna be more of a teaser. Uh, it, it looked good. It looked really good. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, I will be saying uh, as I break down what I saw in the trailer, what happened in the trailer, because there was like one shot that just made everyone go bananas. Um, but I will say, like, if you're one of those people who were a huge fan of Ron Perlman's Hellboy, and you're like really disappointed that you won't get uh, a third movie. I will say from the trailer, it does not look like from Perlman to David Harbour that there's any drop-off. And by that, I mean it does not look like one did a service, one's doing a disservice. They're, they both, uh, well, from what we saw from the trailer in David Harbour, he looks like he, he's killing this role. Um, and, and I think fans of Ron Perlman, when they see it, they'll go, I, I, can't, ha- I can't even hate it. <laughs> like, they're going to go, like, this This is really mm-hmm. freaking cool. Um, I think one of the biggest issues I had when the first official photo for Hellboy came out was he looked just like Ron Perlman's Hellboy. And it was just like, like wait a minute. <laughs> is this Ron Perlman? Um, like, obviously the faces are different, but he got – I didn't expect David Harbour to get as jacked 
as he did. That's why I, I had to double look at it like, is this Ron Perlman? Like, wh- who is this? And then, like, you're always like, it's, it's David Harbour. And I was like, there's no way. Like, I just saw him, like, not fat, but, like, not that ripped in, in Stranger Things. Like, the guy is ripped. <laughs> like, he looks ripped. Um, and, and the one shot I'm going to talk about before I pass it to Dane to get his thoughts is, uh, is, is the one shot at the end of the trailer uh, where you see Hellboy with his actual huge horn. Um, and it just was like, it was like, yes, yes. Um, I still have no idea, uh, really what Mila Djokovic's character is doing, uh, per se, like what the, the whole thing is, uh, with that Ian McShane, like I'll forever love that guy. I love him in American God. Um, like the the whole aspect, like there is humor to it. Um, so it doesn't come off as if like, it's going to be this super serious movie. It it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then, like I said, the shot at the end where you see these huge horns uh, that you never really got to see in the uh, the first Hellboy uh, movie with Ron Perlman. Everyone went bananas. Because it was just like seeing that on, on screen, you never had a chance to see it before. It was just super dope. Um, but, Dane, I'm going to go to you. What were your thoughts on the Hellboy trailer? All right, well, first, to, to go back to what you were saying, where did David Harbour, like, I know he probably worked out, but where did he, like, hide the muscles. Like, David Harbour looks like the only absolute dad in a 90s sitcom. Like, you know, kind of like a Red Foreman or like an Al Bundy. Like, that's, 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 that's what I get from him and, you know, everything I've seen him from. And he, he, looks, he looks badass, man. And this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's different from the uh, Guillermo del Toro movies for sure, but still holds the same, mm-hmm. you know, humor from the Mike Magolia, I think is how you pronounce his name, the comics, basically, which I was Magnolia, a huge fan of. Magnola, something like that. Magnola, Granola, Magnolia. Uh, sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just it looked it looked a lot of fun, and I'm. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, if a trailer's supposed to make me excited about the movie I'm going to see, this definitely did that. Uh, I love the uh, giant horns. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it sucks that we're losing um, Ron Perlman, but I think yeah. that David's going to actually do a really good job. I will say I will say, I would like um, – I might have missed it. Like, he might have already like, said something, but I, I would really like for Ron Perlman at some point whether it's right before the release or around the release, just to kind of go, like, give his, not his blessing, but just to kind of, like, sign off on, like, yeah, man, like, I'm really excited for this movie. Because all we've heard since we heard that this movie was, was happening is that Ron Perlman was not happy about it. <laughs> so it's like, I just, I, I want the, the passing of the toys to be really cool. Because I would love for one, for one Comic-Con, like, for them both to be there and for people to be able to take photos with both of them without, like, Ron Perlman being like, nah, like, I got to go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just I want that coolness to be there between the two of them. Um, like, we've just recently seen with Bale and, um, and Ben. Like, you know, obviously, I, you, know, uh, you know, the two of them were, were Batman, and Bale was always like, yeah, man, I was excited for Ben. Uh, I was glad I wasn't doing it anymore. Um, but, yeah, I would just kind of love to see that between the two of them. Um, but like you were saying, Dane, I have no idea where this guy was hiding these muscles. Uh, because, like I said, unless that's, like, uh, like weight that they put in, like, a, a, his, his outfit for Stranger Things, D- David Harbour has a splint. Because, like, there's no way, like, the guy got that ripped that fat. Like, 
bravo to him. He looks like a completely different person. Um, but, Nick, I'm going to go to you, man. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Hellboy trailer? I loved it. I thought it was fucking awesome. Uh, like y'all said, I mean, they really captured the kind of spirit of the comic with um, the imagery and uh, basically, like, just the, the the little bits of humor and all of that. Like, I thought it was great. I thought I, – I really do think David Harbour is going to be amazing uh, as Hellboy. And, you know, like, I, I was kind of disappointed in the sense of I didn't necessarily – like I wanted to see like the Hellboy three, like the that I, I I've got a penchant. I like trilogies. Like if you're gonna make two, you might as well make three. Um, and sometimes that doesn't work mm-hmm. out. As, you know, i.e. X Men or Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I I like to see my trilogies, you know. Um, but I think they made the right decision. Um, and 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 first off, you know, I I would like to say I think they picked a great director. In Neil Marshall, um, he uh, did a very awesome horror movie called The Descent. Um, and if our viewers have not mm-hmm. seen it, definitely go fucking check it out because it is one of the probably my ten favorite horror movies of the 2000s. Um, it, it, it is immaculately done. Um, the story, uh, acting, uh cinematography, directing, everything about that movie is fucking amazing. Um, and he also did a, a, a very highly underrated movie called Centurion uh, that starred Michael Fassbender as a uh, Roman Centurion. And it was fucking great. Um, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but if it is, you should definitely check it out. It is amazing. It's a great movie. So they, like, they, they, they found themselves a really good director and they found themselves a great, um, I hate to say it, but a great replacement for Ron Perlman in David Harbour. Um, and I think they made the right decision by like, like we're just gonna, like we're gonna kind of start fresh. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's very rare that doing uh, sequels so long after they, you know, did, uh, you know, the originals or or original two in this case, uh, that that is successful. So I understand why they wanted to kind of go that route and basically, you know, um, have the flexibility and the freedom to kind of do whatever they wanted to do. Um, so that made perfect sense to me. And as, as we are well aware of, I don't think Ron Perlman would have revised, uh, reprised rather his role uh, without Guillermo del Toro being involved, and I don't, I just don't think that was a feasible. Like del Toro's demands, as far as like a budget and everything, we've we've covered, and it just wasn't feasible for them to do it. So they basically, you know, said, "Well, we want to do a movie, but we we you know we can't deal with this kind of budget, so we're just going to kind of start fresh." I mean, it wasn't. I I don't think it was that the studio didn't necessarily want to do a Hellboy three. It was basically they looked at the numbers and were like, this this, this doesn't make sense. So you know they they were like, how else can we go about making a Hellboy movie? And I think they've done a great job uh, with the casting. 
um, you know, David Harbour, Mila Jovovich, Ian McShane, all terrific fucking actors. Uh, you know, to get them involved in it was a, a, a terrific move. To get a guy like Neil Marshall involved in it, another great move. Um, as far as the trailer, I like that's the one scene that like really stood out to me. Joanne, uh, you said the horns shot at the end. Um, mine was like just the headshot scene where he pulls out the gat and like just shoots that dude right in the head, and like you see like the bullet like split his head open, the the demon thing. Um, like, I was like, holy shit, dude, that looks fucking awesome. Um, so, like, I'm super hyped. Like, I wasn't necessarily hyped for this movie. I thought, honestly, it would be very difficult to re-erect this franchise. I thought it'd be really hard. Um, but I think they're going to be able to pull it off. Well, it's funny you should uh, say, you know, wrecked, and, and, and we're talking about horns and stuff, guys, because that actually brings us to our new sponsor, Joe, Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? You know, when, when seconds was pleasing your lady and not so much trying to go up for seconds at the dinner table. You know, not so much problem, but performance and pleasing her. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Um, Nick, I know that you have tried Blue Chew along with myself, and you've had really good results with that. Damn right, dude. Like, shit got my shit in gear. Which is, you know, all everything's about getting your shit in gear. That's the whole entire point of Blue Chew. Blue Chew Indeed. is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So, no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and chips direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code GVN and just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, and the promo code is GVN, as Geek Vibes Nation, to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our show. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dane, and thank you, BlueChew. Make sure you guys use our code GVN uh, and make sure that you don't have to worry about any performance issues anymore. Um, but let's move on to our next topic. Thank you, Nick and Dane. Uh, and Blue Chew. Um, speaking of Blue, uh, we had a trailer over Comic-Con of someone who lives in the ocean uh, and is possibly one of the most badass human beings to ever live. Uh, and that's Jason Momoa. Uh, we got oh, something that... SpongeBob. Oh, no. <laughs> he lives in the pineapple under the sea. I guess he's at the ocean. Anyway, uh, <laughs> SpongeBob might have been in this trailer. Who knows? Um, 
But no, I, I will say James Wan did something we have very rarely, if at all, ever seen when it comes to yeah. uh, superhero trailers. And that's giving us a five-minute trailer. <laughs> he gave us an extended trailer. So just in case anyone had any thoughts that Aquaman might not be as good as advertised, he was like, I'm going to give you five minutes worth. And guess what? I didn't even scratch the surface on what this movie actually is going to give you. Um, which, on the outside looking in, is hard to believe because it showed us a lot. Um, but I trust James Wan. I, myself, am a huge fan of James Wan. Um, I personally haven't seen a directed James Wan movie mm-hmm. that I did not enjoy. Um, so I believe it. Uh, but, Joel, I'm going to go to you first. I, I know when we were at Comic-Con, we immediately stopped everything that we were doing. Like, <laughs> just like, no, 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 forget everything. we got to sit down and we got to watch this trailer. We actually saw it again um, with Jeff Johns. When he uh, when he showed when yeah. he revealed it, but it didn't make sense because it was like, all right, James Wan revealed it, and then now Jeff Johns is trying to make it like officially the the Comic Con trail. Like, no, man, we saw this like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> like, but nonetheless, it was a super dope trailer. Joel, what were your thoughts on the Aquaman trailer? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. We literally stopped in the middle of somebody's uh, exhibit <laughs> to, to, to try to watch it because the, the, the goddamn reception was so terrible. We ended up having to go to the press uh, the press room so we could actually get some free time and watch it. But, yeah, we ended up watching it anyway on a bigger screen later on that night. But, yeah, what a trailer. Very good trailer. And then I think the best part, I mean, we got to see a lot of different things. We got to see Atlantis again. We got to see a lot of stuff we've already seen. We got an extended scene of uh, them running away from Black Manta and his, his people. And again, seeing Black Manta, beautiful. Um, but obviously the highlight of that damn trailer was him at the end with his classic costume and his actual trident putting it down and I'm like that I just could not stop you guys Juwan like, every time I was looking at me I was looking at the costume <laughs> I was like the whole time was like out, just staring staring at the suit like when they got the still of it I was like this is a beautiful costume like they did it like no one thought Aquaman's costume was like translatable to, to live action and James Wan figured it out because it's fucking phenomenal how, how beautiful that costume is and how well it works within the context of, uh, of the movie and of course the trailer that we saw but I, I just it was I thought it was a great trailer it was a longer trailer and apparently it's a trailer that does not like give away too many spoilers apparently it's only just an icing on on, on top but it's not it doesn't, it's not spoilerific there's a lot more we haven't seen according to James Wan so that's good to hear uh, even with five minutes that we've only just begun to see the begin like some of what they're going to give us in December yeah I mean as great as that shot was um, and that shot was something. I think what made mm-hmm. me appreciate the shot at the end as much as I did was the line that set it up. Uh, I believe, yeah. and I'm paraphrasing here, what's better than a tank? And then Mira goes, a hero. And then you see him step out and then you see that three, not only did she get the costume right, he finally has his trident. Like his actual mm-hmm. trident. Um, so just everything about that last minute of that last part of the trailer I thought was just so well done and I am super hyped to see what James Swan does with this entire film um, but before I gush for like the next 30 minutes Dane, what were your thoughts 
Who lives in a pineapple under the? I'm just kidding. Um, I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Um, I love the five minute trailer. I, hey, trailer companies, especially the ones that work for Warner Brothers, isn't it amazing that he could put, make a five minute trailer and not give away anything in the fucking plot? It's crazy. Uh, but uh, James Wan, uh, cinematically, you know, just a great visual director, and this proves it. And he's really able to pitch out some amazing stuff with this. I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited about it. I love that last shot. Um, I love the elements uh, that remind me of Indiana Jones, or even the Fifth Element, actually, with uh, at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and I just think it really looks overall entertaining and good. And I'm just hoping for it. Uh, Jason Bourne's a badass, and yeah, that's that's, that's amazing. Absolutely. Um, and like, like you said, I think. Even the humor was, was great. When she pulls the water out of his forehead, and he's like, I could have just peed on the thing. Like, it was just like, yes. Like, yes. <laughs> like, I love this Aquaman. Um, but, Nick, uh, what were your thoughts on this five minute? And I think I don't even think it was exactly five minutes. I think it was like five and some change. Uh, five and some change minute trailer of Aquaman. Well, first of all, speaking of pee jokes, if you're going to do a pee joke, that's how you do a pee joke, Zack Snyder. <laughs> um, just going to throw that out there. Uh, but anyway, like, I fucking love this trailer. Like, I have been one of the more skeptical um, of our panel as far as how well this movie is going to do. Um, or, or, or not how well it's going to do, but just how good it's going to be, I guess I should say. Um, this trailer 100% sold me on the movie. Um, I'm so excited for, for James Wan to have like this kind of epic uh, type of story and, and um, uh, just like picturesque uh, different things to work with as far as a director. It is something that he has not been able um, to mm-hmm. explore yet, and it really excites me to see like his take on this. Um, and we saw a lot of that in this trailer. Um, the one thing that really stuck out to me was when uh, Mira was running uh, from, uh, you know, the, the various Black Manta, um, uh, Black Manta, uh, I guess, uh, minions or whatever. Um, and so she's running, and she she has that scene where she jumps over, uh, grabs hold of, like, the, the, the little pole and, like, falls down and then slides. And then, like, it, the, the, the camera pulls out from that and, and hits this, like, clock tower. And then, and then you see Jason Momoa's Aquaman, and then he jumps down um, as Black Manta, like, shoots uh, his lasers at him. Like, dude, that scene is fucking amazing. Like, that is that – is, that's what I live to see in movies like this. Like it, it so reminded me of the Avengers um, and, and uh, the, the very first Avengers movie and how Joss Whedon was able to tie together these six characters and, and intertwine them and connect them all, like their various actions of what they were doing with his cinematography uh, and, and, and direction. And I, I loved it. I was just like, oh, my God, that right there just – sold me on this um that was amazing i also love uh that the little uh like nod to hp lovecraft 
like HP, there's a in the very first like opening um, uh, part of the trailer with the little snow globe thing. Right underneath it is an HP Lovecraft uh, book uh, novel. And, like, that was super awesome because, well, for, for a number of reasons. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, basically James Wan's, like, a huge fan. And for him to, like, include that is just, like, a, a super awesome little Easter egg uh, as far as just, like, him. Um, but also, you know, he had these, these tales of grandeur. Um, and so, like, it, it's very fitting with this whole Aquaman and Atlantis theme. Um, and then also, I, 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 I don't, I get a, a, a little bit into, like, um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say conspiracy theories, but, like, um, you know, like, uh, various theories on Atlantis and, and things like that. And one of the, like, newer theories uh, about Atlantis is that um, it was actually uh, in the Sahara Desert, um, and and it was uh, in what they refer to as the Eye of Africa. Um, and so it looks like that's kind of where they're going with um, with this uh, th- this whole um, plot line is that it actually is there. So that's kind of like super cool for me, who's like like looks into all these things about Atlantis and like where it could have possibly have been if it existed. Um, and if you look into it, um, the uh, the Eye of Africa, which is located about I I, I want to say about 200 miles inland. Uh, in the Sahara Desert, um, it uh, fits the exact parameters of uh, Plato's description of uh, Atlantis, and that's like just like a super cool, like little nod, like uber, uber, like beyond geek nod for me, um, as, as far as that's concerned. So um, yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about it, man. I'm I'm totally gushing. Uh, I was not 100% sold on this movie for the entire extent until I saw this trailer. And then I was just like, yes, everything about this trailer is amazing and I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I think Juan did it for everyone who was not sure what to expect from this movie. It was just like, did my first trailer not really sell you guys? Cool. I'm going to give you five minutes' worth, and it's going to do nothing but sell you on this movie. By the way, I hope he gets this fucking hook hand. Like, I hope he get. I really hope that happens. Um, no, no. I want no it to. I want Black Mountain to just shoot the fuck off of his hand, <laughs> and him get his hook hand. Like, I fucking want that so bad. Uh, but oh. I, I, I won't be. I, yeah, I won't be disappointed if it doesn't. I just, I just. I love that. I would love to. I will tell you this. I will tell you this, Nick. From the look of this, from the look of where they're going with this movie, is accurate to a T that it looks like James Wan is able to 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 make this movie in uh, as much accuracy as we've seen so far. I would not be surprised. Not in this movie. Let me say that at the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if the second one has a scene to where he loses his uh his hand and has the hook going forward. I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever. Um, It'd be dope. Because it looks like. It looks like Juan is looking to give us the most accurate portrayal of Aquaman that we've seen, uh, even from from the the cartoons and everything. Uh, so it yeah. looks like he's willing to go as accurate as possible. I mean, think about this: 
uh, Zack Snyder gave us that, I say it's weak now, but that weak Aquaman costume in the Justice League. And then James Wan's like, ah, don't worry, guys. You want comic accuracy? I got you. And then, like, when you see that shot at the end, it's just like, it's just like, do you know how both? Do you know how ballsy you have to do? You have to be to pull off that that costume. Like a lot of directors would have been like, no, nah, I'll use the one that Zach did, but like I'll you know I'll, I'll fix it up a little bit. James Wan was like, no, screw that. We want to throw out every stereotype people have had about Aquaman and being this weak character. We're gonna take that all and then flip it. So we're gonna give you that costume that everyone made fun of, and we're gonna make it look dope. And that costume looked yeah. dope. So it's just like shout I out to James Wan. Absolutely, huge shout out to him. And let's not forget, that oh, Black yeah. Manta costume is dope. Like, we, we can't Dude, use that, that Black Manta costume is so dope. I forgot it to mention that. And, and, his, and his costume. Like, uh, th- everything about this looks fucking awesome. I will I will say one small issue I have with it. Like, I've seen Yaya, even Yaya, like, post-Aquaman, uh, like, as far as, like, filming. He's not that big. I feel like the suit is like astronauty. Like it looks a little too big for his body, um, and that just kind of like I was like, ah, I have to see if like maybe that like self or like he's just so good, like it just doesn't matter to me. But like from the look, every time I watch the trailer, it's just like, man, that suit just looks a little too big for for a guy who's not that big. Um, so that's no, like, it, it like, could be a Tom Cruise scenario on. where they just make him look bigger on camera. Which, to me, I wouldn't get because you don't need to. Like, Black Manta's never this huge, like, buff guy. Like, he's just never been in the comics. So, it's like, you didn't have to make it, like, super big on him. Like, I don't know what this DC Universe loves about having these huge bodies, but, like, we don't always need them. <laughs> it's okay to have, like, regular-sized bodies. Um, but let's move on to a... Stop uh, body-shaming, WB. Fucking asshole. Exactly. Like, come on, man. These aren't realistic bodies. Like, Ben Affleck, like Henry Cavill, <laughs> Lamoa. Like, come on. This is a freak of nature. Uh, but like, let's move on to the topic. I want to make sure we do not forget to discuss because it was a big one, and I'm sure we all have a lot of opinions on it. And that is James Gunn being brought in to write with the possibility to direct. <laughs> the new Suicide Squad movie. And the reason why I say new is because it appears that this movie of uh, that James Gunn is writing might be a reboot or a completely reimagining of the Suicide Squad, which to me drives me insane because I'm like, all right, as long as you keep Margot and Will, I think I'm yeah. really okay with everyone else going. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. Let me let – me, yeah, up. what about your what about your Asian yeah. girlfriend, Joanne? Hold on, Karen <laughs> and Viola. Tifana, she has to say, and I wasn't even gonna say her. Like I, I'm saying that to be all joking, even though I love her, Katana. The most important person I want them to keep is um, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. I thought she crushed being yeah, Amanda Waller. And she completely mm-hmm. took over like the the imagining of Amanda Waller. Like, I felt the same of, of her that I did from the, the cartoon. So if you can get the three of those, those Viola Davis, Will Smith, and Margot Robbie to stay, um, then I'm completely sold on whatever this retooling or reimagining is that James Gunn is, you know, reportedly trying to do. Um, but, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. What are your thoughts on James Gunn being brought in to write and possibly direct? And what are your thoughts on the idea of it possibly even being a reboot? 
Oh, man, I've got so much. I'm going to try to, like, keep this, like, super brief. Um, first of all, I love the idea. Um, I think he would be a, a phenomenal writer for this. And, oh, my God, he would have been the perfect person to choose for the, like, original incarnation of, of this. Um, not that David Ayer was bad. Um, like, in fact, I think if they had made the movie that they had, David Ayer had actually wanted to make, I think it would have been better. Um, and, you know, the fact that they just gave him so little time on actually creating and writing the script um, was, was you know, that that's a total studio snafu. Um, but nevertheless, James Gunn would be awesome for this. I, 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 I find myself, like, being kind of bittersweet about it, like you, Juwan. Like, I love the aspect of, of seeing a Suicide Squad um, basically written and, and possibly directed by James Gunn. But, like, I don't want them to completely abandon um, what they have. Like, I, and I, don't, I don't think they will. Um, I, I, I honestly think it's just going to – I don't think it's going to, like, re, like redo the cast. I think – it, honestly, it'll probably be more to the extent of it just doesn't, like, acknowledge the first film. Um, and if they do that, I'm totally fine mm-hmm. with it. Like, that, that to me is, is fucking, you know, great, what have you. Um, I will say this, though, uh, just in my closing little spiel. I, <laughs> as much as I love this idea, I would so much rather James Gunn do Justice League Dark um, like, just as, like, like a geek who loves, like, all of those characters, like, seeing him fuck around with, like, Constantine and all of those fucking characters that are in Justice League Dark, um, and he would actually have carte blanche to be able to do whatever he wanted with those characters, because um, we haven't seen any of them appear uh, in in the DCEU yet, Uh that would be what I would want to task him for. Because there's been, like, rumors of a Justice League dark movie for, like, two years now-ish, maybe 18 months. Um, and, like, at one point, there was a movie, it was slated for, like, 2019. Um, and obviously, like, that's hit the back burner and what have you. But, like, you give him all of those weird-ass fucking characters with, like, you know, the backdrop of like, supernatural shit and everything else, like, ah, uh, I would just love to see James Gunn do that, um, more so than Suicide Squad, um, for me personally, um, but, you know, if, if, if Suicide Squad is something that he, like, would prefer to do, uh, and, you know, that's what you can get him for, by all means, fucking do it. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I would say to that is, I mean, you already had a, a pretty good director in Gavin O'Connor that could have handled Suicide Squad while you had James Gunn handle Justice League Dark. But right? it didn't work It didn't work like that, and I want James Gunn in a DC uh, room uh, for anything. So it's like Suicide Squad would, would be fine with me uh, because it's along the line somewhat on, on a lesser scale of what he did with Guardians. So it's like, yeah. By the yeah, way, I'll take it. yeah. Go ahead. Before before we move on uh, to Joel or Dane, um, just I just want to ask you, Joan, um, what would you think about like if 
if this movie ends up like coming to fruition and works out and what have you, like, would you like? I mean, obviously, James Gunn is is a, it's just a huge geek like all of us. What would you think about like James Gunn just being like the Kevin Feige of the DCEU going forward? Like I, because personally, I thought about this and I was like, dude, like if they just gave this guy like the fucking like just threw him a mountain of money and we're like, dude, just like figure out where everything needs to go. I think he could fit all the different puzzle pieces into place. I think he'd be fucking awesome at it. Well, I would have to see how the movie is first, mainly because I wasn't that big of a fan on Guardians Two. Um, so I would see. I would have to have. I would have to see how that works, and I would have to see how Hamada allows these directors the freedom to do what they they need to do going forward. Like obviously, Wong sure. was given that freedom. So I have to see how that kind of pans out for the for Wonder Woman Two, uh, Shazam, and so on and so forth. Just why I can really make that decision. Because at this point, I don't want anyone the head of DC because it seems like at the end of the day, it's always going to fall on Hamada. So, like, I mean, no matter who you put there, Hamada's going to have the final say. And if he wants to redo your movie, he's redoing your movie. So I don't want to put yeah, anyone yeah, in I mean, I would just, who has to deal I, with that. Yeah. See, I would, I, in, in my thinking, it would be like Hamada would give that sort of credence to, um, to James Gunn and just be like, you yeah, got the final then, say on everything. I, if, if that's what he did, then I think James Gunn could definitely handle it. Uh, I would, I, I will always prefer for it to be Jeff Johns, but I think, uh, I think he could handle it. I think, um, I think he could definitely do great things. James, Gunn I think he would be. Things with it. I, I just think he would be better than Jeff Johns. Not that like, Jeff Johns obviously knows a, 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 as much, if not way more than James Gunn as far as the, the comic book uh, DC universe, but. I mean, I, I just think James Gunn has a way better um, – he, he, he just knows film better. And, like, that is I important in this I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that. But of, I would say that they, yeah. should, they should definitely work closely together. Um, sure. But, uh, Joel, what, uh, what are your thoughts on um, James Gunn being brought on for uh, Suicide Squad? I was uh, super excited. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect when I first saw it. I was like, I didn't know if I was reading that right. I didn't know if it was something like, is that for real? Like, is he actually brought in for like, is that like legit? Um, and I was, I, I got so hyped when it was like, when I, when it was confirmed in my head that he's writing and directing it, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. It went real big. Cause I mean, we've been hearing a while back that, uh, I think it was Gavin O'Connor was attached to Suicide Squad too. And we knew one of the writers that were that was attached to it, and I guess things just didn't work out. Apparently, uh, their script, uh, O'Connor and the other dude's script, were just it was too similar to what they're working on with Birds of Prey, so they wanted to go in a different direction, and they found someone that's going to take it in a different direction. Uh, I really don't want it to be a legit reboot. Uh, I don't want it to like recast with people. I'd rather it just be more of a soft reboot. And like, like, why would you give up the chance of working with like Will Smith? Or Margot Robbie or, or Viola Davis or something like that. I mean, those are just yeah. We have you have decent cast already. Just take with the good parts of it and do whatever you want with it. Cause the Suicide Squad, there's no true uh, legit narrative you need to stick to. Uh, so, in my opinion, just do like a soft reboot instead of a hard reboot, and just 
let James Gunn do what he does and, and, and create something magnificent with the, the Suicide Squad, which preferably I would, of course, want, want, want it as a rated R movie, uh, more so than a PG-13 movie, but we've seen that it could do well, PG-13. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super psyched for it. The whole idea of him getting a bigger role in the DCU in general, maybe not so much a Feige role, because it doesn't look like that's what Warner Brothers wants anyway. Um, but just having more say in the, in the universe in, in general makes me happy. Um, I think that's, that's just a big win for them uh, in terms of creativity and a guy that knows what he's doing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm right there with you, man. Um, and it, it's going to be fun to see, but I, I doubt James Gunn sits in, in a room and tells Will and Margo, like, mm, thank you, but no thank you. Like, you don't just pass it yeah, down exactly. like that. Um, right. Jane, what, what are your thoughts on uh, James Gunn being brought in for Suicide Squad? Um, I like the idea. Um, I think he's definitely going to write it. Uh, I don't know about directing. You know, this is a huge jump for him because say that this movie weren't to live up to expectations of a James Gunn-directed Suicide Squad movie, that wouldn't be good on his career given the past of what just happened and shit. But it's very interesting. You know, it's it's almost like a, a coach leaving one team and coming to another uh, in a way. And uh, yeah. Warner Brothers, I, I think I don't think necessarily James Gunn is, but this is definitely a fuck you to Marvel. I'm sure Kevin Feige is like, God damn it. Because he had nothing to do with the decision-making behind uh, Gum leaving. Uh, But, yeah, I would rather him write this and then direct uh, Justice League Dark. I wish they kind of kept on Gavin O'Connor, but I realize his script is too much like the other one, so I get that. I I don't know why you can't just get him to revise a different script. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this would be a great – this would be a good direction. I think it would be somewhat of a soft – reboot in the sense where they just don't talk much. They don't talk about the first movie. You have Viola Davis come back. Uh, Margot Robbie, I mean, the thing is, she's got so many other projects out. I I don't know how that works, too, but I would expect her to come back. Will Smith is dead shot. And I think the most important, if outside of that, is Jai Courtney as Boomerang. Sorry, Joan, about Katana. You could probably use her in a different movie if they wanted to, but you could definitely get a different group of people. Huh? I said Captain yeah, Boomerang yeah. for sure. Yeah, he he worked really well in that movie, and you can get different people in there. New threat. I know Dave Bautista is very excited about it. Um, you know, has already said that he would like to work with it. I know a lot of people cast him as Bane, mm-hmm. but to me, I would like someone. You know, I know that his dad, Bane's dad, is British, but I would like someone. You know, from South America or Caribbean, you know, something like that. I always thought Harvey R. Bardem, you know, then he does Venom, and then it, he, you get a stunt double of muscular to play the uh, actual thing while he does the voice. Uh, I would actually use him, Batista, as Vandal Savage and make him the villain in the movie. Uh, even potentially Lobo if you wanted to go down that route. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is good all the way around. Uh, it's giving more reason for us to be excited about DC movies. And, you know, even though I wasn't happy uh, a couple weeks ago with the whole Henry Cavill thing, Hamada seems like he does do things that make me excited. Uh, As far as a producer mind, I don't know, James Gunn would be the most qualified, uh, you know, as far as steering a ship like a Kevin Feige. Um, I like that Hamada is letting these crews, now it seems like at least, make the movies they want to make and not really worried about connecting them too much. But, I I mean, I don't know what you do. If you get like a Gelmel del Toro or... uh, 
Peter Jackson. I wish Spielberg, but that would never happen. But maybe just keep him on and see what he can do with these directors, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that definitely intrigues me a hell of a lot more than what we got with the first one. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, it's, it's to the point where it's like James Gunn, what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I feel comfortable with him being the guy uh, to take on the Suicide Squad. But don't get me wrong, I don't want it. Well, I, let me not say that. I'm not that big of a fan of it if that means he's coming in to clear house. Like, that that I would not be that, that much of a fan of. Uh, I won't say I wouldn't, and you know, still be looking forward to what he does with it, but I just find it hard to believe. And you just had Will Smith before he jumped out of the plane for his birthday say he's looking forward to doing uh, more stuff with Deadshot. Like, he loved portraying the character. Um, and he did a really good job at it. I mean, I, I think at times he was playing Will Smith and not Deadshot, but I think he did a really good job at it. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, like as long as Margot, Viola, and Will say yes, I don't know how you really go into a room and go, I, I don't want those guys. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to move on. Like, I, I don't see how yeah. you actually do that. Um, they won't. I mean, with everyone else, yeah, yeah, I mean, but with everyone else, yeah, I, mean, like, I, I, I don't mind if you move on from everyone else. Like, I'm, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Um, or if you kept them. Like, I didn't hate the cat. So if you keep them or move on from them. You know, I, I'm fine, but you got to keep those core three is, is how I feel. Um, and as far as Batista, Bane is, is uh, just body-wise was immediately where my mind first went. Um, but then the idea of King Shark. Like, King Shark would be really dope uh, because of how horribly uh, they, they did Killer Croc. It's like, I, I mean, you can only go but up, right? Killer Croc Killer was Croc awesome in that movie. Horrible. His look oh no, was it wasn't. Oh no, yes, it was. No. They want to agree for that just because of that. That was crazy. How good he looked. Yeah, the makeup was great. The 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 dialogue was terrible. I thought the makeup <laughs> was horrible, and I thought the dialogue was okay for a character that you were never really planning on on doing much with anyway. No, like, the dialogue was. I terrible. mean, <laughs> I thought the look was just bad. I'm sorry. I mean, he looked re- awesome. The, the only reason I mean, why I was like, Joel okay is right. It reminded me of Arkham did. Origins, like the, the look that he had for that. Arkham Origins. Uh, to each fucking... Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> to each his own. Um, Dane, I think we got what? Like a month or two left? Two, what, what do you mean? A minute or two? Uh, left, left on the show. Yeah. Before I get. Oh, okay, cool. We um, got 90 right, seconds. So, all right, really quick. I want go. you guys to give me a really quick um, your thoughts on the Aladdin teaser trailer. Ding, go. Uh, it was a teaser trailer. Uh, it was cool. <laughs> I liked it. it got me- but, I mean, it wasn't really that much. You didn't see anything. And fuck haters, Will Smith is going to rock at Genie. All right, Genie. Same here. I, I'm a hype. I love the music. I love the look. I can't wait to see more. All right, Nick. I don't know why people are getting so excited for this. I mean, you can be excited for the movie, but the teaser trailer had nothing to amp me up for anything. Yeah, especially because Will Smith was the guy that was, like, presenting the teaser trailer, and then there was no Will Smith in it. So <laughs> no, it was just like, right. all right, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, that was a total waste of time. Um, like, you showed the least the least person we're looking forward to seeing, which is like Aladdin. Yeah. You showed me Aladdin, and we want to see Will Smith. Aladdin so was and Iago. We got to see Iago. Yeah, and Iago, but no one wants <laughs> to see Iago. 
Um, but no, all right, guys, yeah. we had another great episode. Huge shout out to Kanan who couldn't be on this week. He will be on next week. Thank you guys for listening you, to an all new episode of Geek Vibes Live. See you next week. Peace. Hey, Bubs. This is Cal Dodd. You're now listening to Geek Vibes Live. <laughs>